Hey guys, it's Matt. Thanks for listening to the Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Uh, a couple quick notes before we get started with this episode. Um, we've announced the winner of our memorable movie theater experiences contest. Uh, we actually read the submission here on in this podcast episode. Um, but if you, if you still have a memorable theater experience, go ahead and don't be shy to send it to us at ovpodcast at gmail.com. We'll uh, still read it on a future episode. We have a bunch, a bunch left over from this contest. We'll be kind of filtering them out throughout episodes, uh, upcoming episodes. Um, so if you have a memorable theater experience, or any comments, or any 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 questions, anything you want us to cover on the podcast, just go ahead and send the email to us at ovpodcast at gmail dot com. Now this is episode eight, which uh, we were once again joined by our friend Mike from Evansville. Uh, he joined us to talk about sitcoms, just everything, anything and everything about sitcoms. Um, and basically, we spent we spent one solid hour on sitcoms alone, and we didn't even scratch the surface of what we wanted to talk about. So we'll we, we'll definitely be having more sitcom centric episodes for sure. Um, but I wanted to make a quick note that if you don't feel like checking the um, story notes or anything. If you want to skip ahead to the contest winner, you can do that by going, uh, jumping ahead to about 11 or 12 minutes in the episode. If you want to skip to our discussion of sitcoms, uh, skip ahead to 15, 16 minutes into the episode. And then if you're, you want to see what we're looking forward to, just go like an hour and 19 minutes ahead and you'll get us, you'll get us there. If you want more exact numbers, check this, check the, uh, Check the notes and uh, thanks for listening. You can find me, Matt, on Twitter at Obsessive Viewer. You can find Tiny at Obsessive Tiny. Uh, Mike's at I at I am Mike White. And of course, as always, check us out on on the site at obsessiveviewer.com and check out the check out the Facebook page at uh, facebook.com slash the obsessive viewer. Um, all right, that's about it. Thanks thanks for listening and enjoy the show. obviously start the episode with what we've been watching so I'll, I'll go ahead and be selfish and start off with mine um i watched the to-do list nice like i said last well, you've been week. excited for that i have been excited for that and um it it met my I, i'm not sure if i would say that it met my expectations but it satisfied satisfied me because i mean it was it was funny and i laughed fairly consistently throughout it cool but as as the week has progressed, the more I've thought about it, something has kind of bugged me about it that I I don't know how quite to explain it, but basically it's it's gonna I don't know how this is gonna sound, but it it was very obviously written by a woman, which is no problem or anything. Oh, obviously. Whoa, whoa. Pump the brakes, buddy. Pump the brakes. <laughs> There goes our entire female audience. Yeah, that's all one of them. That's another. Yeah, that's another. <laughs> that's another segment of females that won't talk to me now. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean it was very obviously written by a woman from a woman's perspective, which is fine. I don't have a problem with that. That was actually pretty interesting. But it was almost as if she was trying to justify kind of a promiscuous kind of. It was kind of the opposite of like kind of a rom com kind of feel 
if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Like, okay. like there's a, she's easy. Not necessarily that. It's just she spends the whole movie trying to learn sexual stuff by using these guys, and then one of them kind of has feelings for her, and she just kind of toys with them a little bit, mm-hmm. and then. I won't spoil it or anything, but it's just like the ending. The ending to that plotline is isn't what you would expect out of a rom com or coming of age teen comedy. I guess it it was just kind of jarring. Out of, hmm. um, I don't know. It was it was it's hard to explain, but without spoiling it. But it was just yeah. it was almost to the point where it was like she was trying to justify her behavior, like as if it was as if the writer was her, the main character, mm-hmm. um, which is probably the only justification i can see with um it being set in the 90s actually because there was although there was i bet it's the case yeah Uh, there was one there was one line that just killed me and it was a very dark line that i won't say it or anything but just given the given the setting of being in the 90s it was very it was like why would you say that to someone that is awful especially (laughs) in the 90s wow Um, were there uh were there some cool cameos in it um yeah, although not necessarily cameos because everyone was kind of a featured actor. Oh, okay. Um, but I will say that Christopher Mintz Plass, in the four or five scenes that he was in, just absolutely stole this, mm-hmm. stole the show. He was he was fantastic. Awesome. Um, <laughs> he had a couple of really good, really good lines, and uh, and the actor that played kind of the guy who fell in love with her, uh, I can't remember his name. The guy from um, Pitch Perfect, I think. Yeah. Oh um, yeah, I don't. I can't remember his name either. Yeah, yeah. I want to say it's like John Simmons or something like that. But yeah. anyway, he was he was really good too. And then Aubrey Plaza, I I'm in love with her, so she was she was good. She didn't disappoint. I think, uh, despite your lukewarm review, I still f- kind of want to see it, uh, if only because Aubrey Plaza is playing against type, which is good, yeah. which is a feather in her cap as far as I'm concerned, because I hate her <laughs> type. Uh, she's sarcastic to a fault, and and yeah, believe me, I'm a, I'm a sarcastic person. But man, it she is just like f the world. I'm sarcastic. That's who I am. You know what right. I mean? Right. And she's she does play against type, and it's a it's a different character from her character in Parks and Rec and anything else you've seen her in. But there is still some of that dry humor, kind of dry sarcastic kind of humor in this role. Mm. Yeah. Um, so be expecting that. Like, it's not totally, it's not like she's Daniel Day-Lewis playing Lincoln, which I don't think Daniel Day-Lewis is anything <laughs> like Lincoln, but, um, but it's still, it's still enough of a, enough of a break from the regular that y- she deserves mm. props for it, I guess. Cool. Well, I'll see it. Tiny, what'd you see? Uh, I watched a movie that's a little bit older. It's actually a Russian film. It is called Ninth Company. Um, it actually came out in 2005. It's uh, it was a really really great flick about um, the Afghanistan war in the eighties uh, where the Russians invaded Afghanistan. Um, it, hmm. The uh, the movie takes place in the last year of the war, and it's about a uh, it follows a, a company of soldiers from when they joined till the end of the war. Um, it's so, sort of like Band of Brothers, uh, but in a movie. Um, it is kind of lengthy as well. I don't know if it. Yeah. I don't think it would have worked better as a series, but it is it is a lengthy film. Um, it's just I, I actually tweeted that I think the the camaraderie that's depicted in the film is probably on par with uh, with Band of Brothers, which is a huge statement. Um, that's a very huge statement. Yeah, it was. 
I was really impressed with it. It had, it just had everything a war movie should have. It was uh, border borderline perfect, actually, in my opinion, as far as oh, wow. as far as war mo- wow. war movies go. Yeah, um, okay. wow. the director. Um, his name is it's a obviously it's a super Russian name. It's uh, like uh, Fedor ba- like like Fedor Bondarchuk or something like that. Um but he's got a movie coming out this year about uh, the Battle of Stalingrad, which I'm really looking forward to. There's a there's a trailer out there for it. Um so yeah, I, I can't wait for that, but the movie was really good. I I highly recommend it. It's on Netflix Instant. Um it'll have everything you want out of a war movie, guaranteed. Nice, and it's called cool. the Ninth Company. It's just called Ninth Company. Ninth Company. Yeah. Okay, so are you saying that we should be Russian to go see it? Oh no! <laughs> no. I would never say that. Okay. All right. Just wondering. Matter of fact, I think you should leave. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. I'm handing over the podcast insight to you guys. All right. Um, see you, Matt. Yeah. Mike, what have uh, what have you watched? I uh, I'll talk about two things. First of all, I saw the way way back Ooh, uh, a couple of days cool. ago. I don't know if we've talked about this before. Or you guys have talked about this, but I don't think we have uh, actually. It's something I've been really looking forward to, um, particularly because of the writing and directing team of uh, Jim Rash and Nat Faxon, who mm-hmm. who wrote The Descendants, which I loved. Yeah. Um, Good flick. And and so they directed this one. And and you can tell that it is it's definitely more their baby this time because it was uh, not only written by them, but man, Steve Carell playing against type was was brilliant. Nice. Uh, the kid was was just so awkward and so shy that it, that it hurt. It made me feel weird. Uh, and there's a there's a great moment. He talks so slow, and he um, he. Kind of like I'm doing right now. Picks his <laughs> words very slowly and, and never responds to anything. He's super quiet. And there's a moment where he's responding to something Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell asks him, and uh, and like Sam Rockwell speeds him up. And it's, and it's pretty funny because it's exactly what. Uh, what nice. You do. But the movie was great. Nice. Touching moments. Um, you know, good good summer movie. Reminds you of being a kid. It was great. Cool. Uh, the other That's thing great. I've been doing, uh, um, so highly recommend if you if you haven't seen it. The other thing I've been doing is watching the uh, the first eight of season five of Breaking Bad. Nice. Sweet. I'm still on season to, three of my rewatch. To, yeah, to catch up. And yes. oh man, I you know if I loved the show before on my first viewing, I love it even more the second time. Oh, Absolutely. Awesome. Because you get the nuances and and it's just great. We, I, I bring up Breaking Bad because when we talked about our Emmy nominations, <laughs> when we were talking about Anna Gunn, and I said that uh, I don't think she is so deserving of her nomination because in the first uh, – in in the se- half of season five, she was kind of just responding to um, to Walter. Right. I, I, I might change that. I still don't know if she's as deserving, but she definitely has more to do in – in the back four episodes than the front four. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think, uh, and I just, I guess I forgot about those, hmm. but man, there's still just, there, there's so many great moments and so many things that, um, are making me just looking, look forward so much to, to the next eight, the last eight. Yeah. Cool. Me too. I'm like I said, I'm only four episodes into season three of my rewatch. I've seen it before. This is the first time I'm watching it since I first saw yeah. it. And, and that's the Gus, the Gus heavy stuff. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's uh, well, that's when they first get in with Gus. Um, okay, and right. then more the the 
this is the one with the cousins, and it's just it's just so suspenseful. Uh-huh. Like even though I yeah. know what's going to happen, it's like I'm still like on pins and needles because I I know what's coming, and it's just just insanity. I loved the cold yeah. the cold opens for those episodes with the twins. Those yes. are so chilling. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. Cool. Is the um was the the first season the first episode of that season or was it the first episode of season four or maybe not even the first episode when they did the uh, the uh, mariachi song yeah <laughs> oh, that was uh, Heisenberg that was season two actually that was season two yeah. okay that was uh, I think it was like midpoint season two I think mm. but okay. yeah that was Way such off. a weird such a weird and awesome yeah. <laughs> cold it open. was great I downloaded oh, yeah. the song on iTunes <laughs> instantly I paused. That's and awesome. downloaded the song. Awesome. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Good deal. So Nice. Yep. Um, all right, so I think that wraps up what we've been watching. Should we move on to our main topic? Totally. Let's do it. Sweet. So our next okay. segment is... Are finally announcing the winner of our three-week-long um, contest to where we asked our listeners to um, send us an email about what their most memorable movie theater experiences were, and we got a lot of great submissions. And but this one just kind of took the cake. It was from uh, our friend in Evansville, Pat, who like me and Mike know personally. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike's actually known him a lot longer than I have, but. Uh, I've known him for a long time, probably 15 years. Wow. Yeah. I've known him for like eight. Um, but yeah, and I mean, he, he gave us a really good submission and I'll just go ahead and I'll just go ahead and read it. So I've seen so many movies that it's hard for me to pick just one memorable theater theater experience, but one does resonate more than others. It was my first midnight showing. The movie was Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith. Not only was it was it the best of the prequels by far, but it was also a great night during a troublesome time in my life. It was released a few weeks before my high school graduation, which can be a frightening time for everybody. Not only not only that, but I had also learned recently that my family and I were moving to Las Vegas after my graduation. This was going to be one of the last nights that my friends and I were all together were all going to be together, and for a kid who moved around a lot as a child, a strong group of friends were hard to come by. In order to fully understand the importance of this event, you also have to know that Cord in Indiana had one uh, had one movie theater with only four screens, and as far as I'm aware, this was the theater's first midnight showing, as well as mine. There was not an empty seat in the house, with many showing up hours before in costumes. There were live choreographed lightsaber fights. This midnight showing was not just a movie, but also a town event. This film was has ruined midnight showings for me since. I've yet to go to a midnight showing that has had the overall atmosphere of this one, and therefore I will always look back at, on this night with the most fondest of memories. And that's that's Pat's submission, and he that's just awesome. yeah, right? That's a great yeah. story. Oh yeah, hey, um, I was there. <laughs> I, I was there during that experience. Um, it's really I'm so glad that one because that is that is really good. And he, yeah, and I do remember him moving away. I remember mm-hmm. that being a big deal. Uh, that <laughs> the particular atmosphere of which he's speaking is probably the lightsaber fights that happened uh, toward the front of the auditorium by the screen, mm-hmm. uh, particularly those uh, 
uh, reenacted by myself and a, <laughs> and a friend of mine. <laughs> it was awesome, but yeah, I was nice. uh, I was one of those people. That's good. That's a good. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah. So thanks for your submission, Pat. And we'll probably be reading more more submissions later. So if you're listening, go ahead and keep sending us in at ovpodcast at gmail dot com. Send us your memorable theater. Uh, experiences and we'll read them on the podcast but you can find Pat on Twitter at uh, at Patty underscore Kuhn K-U-H-N and uh, yeah me and me and Pat and Mike all go back to about eight years ago when we met at college and I mean it it was funny because uh, Pat got married in uh, April and uh, it was like the first time that I'd like seen him since I don't I don't know how long it was. It was probably like a year or two. Um but it was funny cuz at his reception, we just spent we spent maybe an hour, an hour just catching up talking about movies and uh TV shows and talking about the Alien franchise cuz I had just watched it and was geeking out over the Alien anthology, which you can find in my review on obsessiveviewer.com. Um so it was just it was just great. Um this by the way, you guys got to catch up because you were the, uh, while I was dancing. Yes, yes, you, were, <laughs> you guys didn't want to dance, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. So now that I think about it, we should probably get him. We should see if he wants to get him on the podcast. Actually, totally, um, that'd be awesome. He'd be yeah, good. So, Pat, if you're listening, let us know. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, so yeah, uh, that was a that was a good submission. Like I said, we're going to be reading more because we have some that I also want to read at a later date, but. Uh, I'll go ahead and send Pat like a little ten dollar gift card to Amazon for being the winner. Um, all right, so now should we move on to sitcoms? Yeah. New segment. Yes. Let's do it. Okay. All right. All right. Well, here we are talking about our official segment of the week, as alluded to in last week's post credits sequence that I'm still kind of embarrassed about. <laughs> post credits disaster, <laughs> which I thought was brilliant. Yeah. yeah, Tiny didn't like it so much. I thought it was great. I kind of had to twist Tiny's arm to to even do <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. But uh, we're talking today about sitcoms, and we're talking about sitcoms we love, sitcoms that mean something to us, uh, and sitcoms that we also don't particularly like. So we're we're going to talk about sitcoms in general. And I'd like to start with what um, EW Entertainment Weekly. Listed as, I think, the greatest or the second greatest show of all time, uh, The Simpsons. Oh, yes. Nice. I've heard of that show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, this, it's this little show, uh, the, the show that put Fox on the map. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, but more, I mean, there's more to its legacy than that. I, the Simpsons, for me, and I'm sure for so many people, came at an era uh, just where it was the first real thing you could kind of consume on your own. I mean, I was really into Ninja Turtles, but Simpsons was kind of the second thing that was really the thing I consumed. I mean, I, I would have stacks of VHS tapes uh, where I would just record reruns and and watch them again the next day un- until the rerun of the night came on. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I, I'm it it is. It is only one year my junior, so I was, I'm kind of too young to to really know the beginning, and I didn't catch on uh, until reruns when I was at maybe eight or nine, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but man, when I did discover it, and and those and the seasons two through eight, seasons two through nine, 
when people talk about the golden the years golden of that years. show, oh, yeah. Yeah. are just are just brilliant. And, and we talked about how uh, in a podcast before about how they don't age and how that's kind of <laughs> it's kind of silly. But when we talk, when you break down sitcom situational comedy, mm-hmm. uh, it's just the best. It is just the best, and and um, it's funny. It's heartfelt in in the early seasons. It's not so much about um, um, popular culture as it is today. Mm-hmm. You know how they kind of satire pop culture, and that's kind of what the show's about. It's it's almost copying South Park in that way, sort of. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, but man, the first eight are are just sitcom gold. What do you guys think? I absolutely agree. And you mentioned that you uh, would record episodes and reruns and stuff. And I vividly remember uh, recording a rerun of the episode where Marge becomes a cop. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I watched that just ad nauseum for like two weeks. And like now when I go back and watch it again, like I can I can quote it and everything, even today. Um, yeah. And it's, it's one of my favorite episodes, but... Yeah. Uh, I'll do that. I'll, that's that's a really quotable show. Oh yeah. My uh, my fiance loves it as well, and we we've been kind of going through the DVDs. And I'll we'll come onto a scene where I just know the uh, most of it, mm-hmm. and I'll quote it, and she just she just looks at me like I, <laughs> I'm making the biggest mistake of my life being <laughs> with you. <laughs> and then she laughs at the joke, and I'm like, see, it's brilliant. <laughs> uh, I think one of that's the main thing I love about The Simpsons is that it just has. It has everything for it has it has something for everyone. Uh, you it has a character that anyone can relate to because um, mm-hmm. they de- over you know twenty five years they developed every you know even the minor characters have backstory now and oh yeah uh, you, I mean and it, yeah. it can the show can evolve with you as well because I think the age that all three of us are at you know we started watching it when we were kids and you know we probably connected to Bart and Lisa. But as you get older, yeah. as you get older, you kind of you start relating more with you know Homer or Marge or you know <laughs> right. uh, the sheriff or whatever. You know, it's yeah, yeah. It's that's that's what's great about the show is you can you. It's been on so long and it's such a it's like a staple of American culture. It really. is so oh, yeah. it, everybody yeah. can relate to it. Yeah, and it's uh, uh it the, you know words from the Simpsons have gone into the dictionary. Um, <laughs> Just various phrases and things are now totally part of our the the American language mm-hmm. and the dialect as as Americans, and we just know The Simpsons so much. I I still to this day, and sometimes I'll forget what I'm referencing when when people will give me a choice between two things, and I'll I'll just say no for the uh, because of a uh, an episode where <laughs> Bart has to write about uh, his hero, so he's writing about Homer. And he says to Homer, he goes, boxers are briefs. And Homer looks in his pants and goes, nope. <laughs> <laughs> still, And that show came on 20 years ago, 18 years ago. And I still make that joke 18 years later. That's great. That's fantastic. Um, yeah. It's kind of crazy to think that, like, uh, it's been on for so long. It's been, like you said, it's a quarter of a century it's been on the air. And, yeah. I mean, there are kids, like, that are, it's just it's hard to wrap my head around the fact that there are people graduating high, graduating from high school who weren't alive when when during the golden during years. the golden years yeah exactly yeah You're um, right. wow. it's just it's just weird to think that it makes me feel old and I don't like that um, <laughs> awesome yeah. you know, there's a there's a big discussion about whether 
uh, the quality is dipped or we've just grown older. And I think the consensus is that the quality has dipped. Uh, I think after – I wish I were better versed in, in the, the lore and the knowledge. But I think after season eight or season nine – a couple of the producers and writers left, yeah. mm-hmm. and that was kind of the big paradigm shift and, and why they decided to go with the um, the the pop culture parody since then. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I just um, – actually, today, I just watched an episode from season 19 um, that wow. was uh, – it was – I mean, it had its moments, and it was all right, but – mm-hmm. like, it just wasn't the same, obviously. Like, yeah. I laughed. I genuinely laughed once. And coming from a late era Simpson Simpson episode Simpsons episode, that's I count that as a win, and that's kind of depressing. But yeah, um, these days, yeah. yeah. And then plus the Treehouse of Horror episode that season uh, was like the Treehouse of Horror. I get it that they can't. There's only so much that they can do, but I mean, it just it reaches a point where they just shift to just not even thinking about having it a Halloween. It's totally a movie. Period. It is, exactly. yeah. Like this, I don't understand. Oh yeah, like the one that I watched today was, um, like they even say at the beginning, like, "Hey guys, remember Halloween? That was last week." Well, we're still celebrating in here at the Simpsons house, um, yeah. but then like one of the parodies was I was Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Yeah, like, I don't get well, it. Uh, don't yeah, know. it's shameful. I um, those are classics too. All the Treehouse of Horror. Oh yeah. I I te- I think we've talked about before. I teach high school English. Right. And we talk about um, situational irony. We talk about dramatic irony in my class. And the one where the the aliens abduct the Simpsons, uh, Kang and Kodos, uh, and that there's they're going to eat mm-hmm. them. And Lisa thinks that they're going to eat them, but they're not. They're going to give them the paradise that we, we <laughs> couldn't even dream of. Uh, and it's good. The kids laugh. The kids laugh about a show. <laughs> That's you know looks old, but not that old. But it <laughs> came out you know five years before they were born, so it's it's just great. It's such a great show. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that segment cracked me up because it was like I think they they found a book that was like how to cook humans, and then they dusted it off, and it's how to cook four humans, <laughs> how, to how to cook, cook forty humans. humans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, do you, do you guys have like a favorite episode or a favorite scene or anything? Ooh. Oh, Radio Bart is my favorite. Oh, that's a it probably has one. been since I was a little kid. When uh, when Timmy O'Toole fa- falls down the well because <laughs> uh, uh, Bart gets the gets the crusty radio for Christmas yeah. or his birthday or something, and uh, and he does the prank and then he falls in and, and uh, right. He's actually in there and the town kind of revolts <laughs> against him. Yeah, I wanted one that of one. those toys so bad. Yeah, and then now I have a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. my favorite episode would probably be just off the top of my head. Obviously, the Marge becomes a cop one is a good one. Yeah. Um, but I mean, if you're gonna go, you got to go with the classic monorail, Marge versus the monorail. Nice. Yeah, Conan O'Brien, Come written on. by Conan O'Brien. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Um, cool. Tiny, how about Lyle you? Lyle Landley. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think my favorite. I have two answers because my favorite episode is. Uh, I think it's either Mister Plow. Or uh, yes. or the one where uh, Homer tells like the backstory of when he was in the acapella group. Oh yes, sharp. Yeah, there. It's funny. You both of you guys. I guess Radio Bart not so much, but you guys picked three episodes with great songs. Yeah, 
That's true. The monorail song. <laughs> that's the, true. Well, the Mr. Plow theme song. I don't know if that's a great song, but it's oh, it's great. Oh, it's, it's great. It's great. And, yeah. uh, don't dispute Baby it. on Board is a really good song. It is. It is. Totally. It's a really good song. Oh, yeah. I, and and how they end on the rooftop is is classic. It's I great. think, but I think uh, my my favorite scene, like, I don't even like to think about it because I just start laughing and I look like an insane person. <laughs> um, my favorite scene. I don't remember the episode. I think it's just it's it's like an April Fool's episode where nice. uh, Homer and Bart are like in a battle for April Fool's pranks, and uh, Bart takes uh, a can of Duff beer <laughs> to the hardware yes. store and puts it in a paint shaker, and then <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when Homer opens it, there's like a mushroom cloud because <laughs> that, that is just so I can't I cannot illustrate how hilarious that yeah. is when they show the yeah. mushroom cloud i know the episode that is it's uh 22 stories in springfield it might be the wrong title but it's the it's the yeah. pulp fiction parody okay right yeah i love <laughs> my, i love just you it's funny the same it's a hilarious moment but mm. the same scene but just a moment before when bart jumps out and goes april foot <laughs> <laughs> it's just awesome yeah oh man anyway. that's great all right, should um, we what once we get our wits, yeah, Tiny, yeah. What about you? What what show do you like? Um the show I wanted to mention was uh a more recent show. Uh it's called How I Met Your Mother. Oh yes. It's, and I know uh, all three of us watch it. it. Um I think it's a show that I, I think a lot of people kind of um fault it cuz it's it's borderline gimmicky. The whole the whole thing with, you know, he's telling the story to his kids. Sure. But I think mm-hmm. I think the way they set the show up is really brilliant because that's just sort of a, it's just, it's, it's become sort of a template as opposed to a gimmick or a crutch. They don't, mm-hmm. they don't lean on that very often. You know what I mean? They just, they, they focus more on the stories that they're telling in present yeah. day. And I, I think that, that adds mm-hmm. to the strength of the show. Um, and the, the cast is all just amazingly perfect. Um, you can see that they, you can tell that they have really, really rare chemistry you know I, I think some some shows even sitcoms the, the the actors will have chemistry with one another but i think how i met your mother is a shining example of of chemistry between actors mm-hmm. yeah. i absolutely agree and if you guys want to name a quote from that i can tell you the episode to that as well <laughs> <laughs> but something that kind of gets my goat about how i met your mother is when everyone says like oh he hasn't met the mother yet Oh, uh, I will not watch the show until let me know when they find yeah, it. Yeah, uh, it just yeah. it annoys it annoys me so yeah. much because that's yep. so not what it's about. That's like I like I I'm a huge Lost fan, and I feel like How I Met Your Mother is sort of like the Lost of sitcoms because mm-hmm. it has like the central mystery and it has a lot of flashbacks and flash forwards and all this stuff. And my nerd brain just connects the two in that way. Mm-hmm. But well, your nerd break kind of collects and lost to everything. Yo, yeah, of course. I'm just I'm, I'm drinking a bottle of water right now, and I'm thinking yeah. like, was this on? Jack drank a bottle of water. <laughs> and, I mean, people with Lost, they were like, oh, they didn't have any answers, and it's like, watch the show. That's yeah. all I can say, and that's the same with How I Met Your Mother because it's not about. I don't know. How I Met Your Mother is just about the characters and. The sto- the uh, and it's consistently funny. That's the important part. True. It doesn't matter that he hasn't met the mother yet. If he meets, if he meets the mother, it's done. I don't right. understand like yeah, why yeah. people expect it. Right. Yeah. It's the ending of the story. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Uh, Mike, what are your thoughts? 
for a show that's so funny, and it is, and, and it's it's one of the funniest shows on TV as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. Uh, I think more than anything, it handles dramatic moments well. Season five, is that when Marshall's dad was dying? I think so, yeah. Or died, I guess. Is oh. his performance, like the, the countdown episode, and I remember like seeing the numbers mm-hmm. in that episode saying, what what's going on with his numbers? Oh, yeah. Uh, I think I actually texted you, Matt. You did. Like, what's going on with the numbers? <laughs> And uh, and so I it, and he got to the end of it and just his the way he plays that and he says uh, something like I'm not ready for this or yes. something like that mm-hmm. is just great and uh, unfortunately well fortunately it's not something I can connect to so right um, he he definitely showed what that would be like right I guess I could say yeah so just their their handling of those kinds of moments are yeah. are why I love How I Met Your Mother that and it's freaking hilarious yes it is brilliant. Fun fact, that was uh, completely improvised by Jason Siegel. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yep. Yeah. Uh, cool. But yeah, and that's just, it's such a great show. And I saw, I, it's funny you mentioned that they have these good dramatic moments because I was watching, I watched an interview from like Comic-Con or something with Carter Bays and Craig Thomas, the showrunners. And they said that they, they basically said that the way they feel like How I Met Your Mother has been, is, is really a drama in disguise. In, in yeah. disguise, hmm. and uh, they said that the la- this upcoming final season is going to really show that, and it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting because the final season is going to be basically the entire wedding weekend, and it's going to, you can yeah. say on the surface, it's on the surface, it sounds like oh, they they got another season, so they're going to dra- drag it out, but they said they're going to use like flash forwards and flashbacks and do all this, and obviously they, spoiler alert for the last season, they revealed or they finally showed the mother but yeah like, he yeah. hasn't met her yet but uh which i mean that's a, an okay spoiler because the facebook page kind of gave it away anyway but, um, <laughs> yeah that's another story yeah. <laughs> yeah. um if you go to com and type in how much your mother you'll see but anyway um <laughs> your favorite episode matt you have a favorite episode Ooh, that that is that's a tough call um i have a few favorite episodes um Three Days of Snow. I love the storytelling of it because I, I mean, it seems obvious, but I just, I just didn't think that it was going to connect that way at the end. Yeah. Then I love like the perfect week, uh, or perfect week, the perf- uh, perfect week, perfect game, uh, or perfect game. No, uh, the playbook is what I mean. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Perfect week, the playbook, the bracket, pretty much any Barney centric episode like that, and also, yeah. uh, I love the beginning of the episode where. Um, Let's see. It was it was season three. It was the beginning of Right Place, Right Time, where uh, Ted is walking. The whole episode is Ted walking to to the, to a corner to uh, get a bagel or something, and that's when he meet when he sees Stella again after she dumped him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so the beginning of it, the cold open is him saying like, like the future Ted being like, "Kids, I've been telling you the story of how I met your mother," and it just shows him grabbing the umbrella and walking and all that, and then each like he gets to a point, and then he cuts cuts to his. Uh, 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 ba- uh, flashback, but that cold open is basically him going through his entire route, and it's like the music playing underneath it is just really—I don't know how to describe it. It's just really—you feel the momentum of it, even though it doesn't lead to him meeting the mother. But it does—it's an integral part of the story, and it's very, yeah. very distinctive, I guess. Fine. You want me out of the house? I'll get out of the house. Uh-huh. Can't wait to see what the universe has lined up for me out there. Kids, I've been telling you the story of how I met your mother. 
And while there's many things to learn from this story, this may be the biggest. The great moments of your life won't necessarily be the things you do. They'll also be the things that happen to you. Now, I'm not saying you can't take action to affect the outcome of your life. You have to take action, and you will. But never forget that on any day, you can step out the front door, and your whole life can change forever. You see, the universe has a plan, kids, and that plan is always in motion. A butterfly flaps its wings, and it starts to rain. It's a scary thought, but it's also kind of wonderful. All these little parts of the machine constantly working, making sure that you end up exactly where you're supposed to be, exactly when you're supposed to be there. The right place, at the right time. They're good at that. Good good music choices. I, lo- oh, yeah. I liked, uh, I've been hooked on uh, Simple Song by The Shins, because that was the, the yeah. song that played at the very end of the finale, the season finale this year, mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. they reveal the mother. Uh, was was simple song by the Shins, and I'm oh, yeah. kind of obsessed with that song for for the summer. I was cool. that's the way I was with um, uh, the the Pixies. Um, wow, what is that song called? I can't remember the song that was playing at the end of uh, Disaster Averted. Were I, um, uh, I can't remember the name, of it, but it's a Pixie song, and it's I, I can hear it in my head. I don't know, but anyway, it was <laughs> sing it for us, Matt. I'm not yeah. gonna sing it for you, you guys. <laughs> Tiny, what's your what's your favorite episode? Uh, my favorite episode, hands down, is I think is season four, maybe five, is uh, Slapsgiving. <laughs> I just, yes. Again, yeah. ironically, involves a really good song at the end. Uh, <laughs> yes. And I I don't know. I just I think that's the that's their best episode in my opinion. It just has everything. It involves a contest. Barney gets taken down a peg. Uh, <laughs> Neil Patrick Harris sings. Um, I don't know. I just, uh, man, I love that episode so much. I'll, I've probably seen that episode at least, at least eight or nine times. Seriously. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's definitely a good one. And uh, hey, that's the name of the Pixie song I was talking about. Is hey? Oh, oh. from there a half know. hour ago. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's a really good episode. What do you yeah. think of um, uh, the Slapsgiving Two episode, Tiny? Uh, it wasn't quite as good. It, it seemed like it was just too much of a rehash, but. Yeah. It was still good. Any, any episode where people get slapped in the face is good. So, of course, yeah. yeah. Mike, did you have a favorite episode? <laughs> I I kind of watched up until about season five. I I binge watched most of it. So to pick out one episode in particular is difficult for me. I really like. I don't know why I have a thing with fathers. I guess, but I really liked <laughs> when uh, Barney and John Lithgow were interacting. Yeah, uh, particularly the one. Where Barney kind of spills his heart to him, and he and he says something about how. Um, Do you want me to say it? No, he says, so, <laughs> why, "Why couldn't you be my boring suburban dad?" Yes, is that it? He's yeah. like, "If you were going to be some lame suburban dad, why couldn't you be that for me?" Yes, that's just great. So, I, for me, it's moments, and that and that show I think is about moments. Mm-hmm. I mentioned The Simpsons because you can say this episode was about this, this was about this, and that happens on How I Met Your Mother often. Yeah. Uh, but it is about moments, and it's about the grand scheme. Mm-hmm. So, I agree completely. So I, you know, for me, it's for me, it's moments, and that's probably one of my favorites. Nice, great. Um, yeah, um, Matt. What about you? Your favorite show? Uh, let's see. I was going to bring up. Uh, 
let's go with The Office. I know, Mike, you haven't watched much of it, if if any of it, but mm, not very much. No. Wow. I was I was a huge a huge fan of it. And I feel like if you watch it, you'll you'll like it. It's uh, it's it's just a great show. It's I mean, Steve Carell carries it, or he does. I I misspoke totally. <laughs> He's a very strong figure in it, but eventually he, anch- he like, anchors it. He anchors it uh, yeah. with a a full cast of really strong uh, characters that like they really fit their roles very very well. At least for the first five or six seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just you you watch as these characters grow, and I mean, they're the main the main romantic subplot is Jim and Pam. Everyone loves Jim and Pam. At least in those early days, um, yeah, there was a bit of a revolt in the later seasons. But mm-hmm. there was just it was they had such great chemistry, and the storytelling was just so well done. And I mean, you really felt for them as they struggled to find their love for each other, and they find as corny as it sounds, find themselves in the process because they kind of grew into their own characters and all that. Um, mm-hmm. And then, I mean. I'm not above saying that the the wedding the wedding episode Niagara in season six is I mean it's it's the best episode of The Office by far. Wow. And uh, yeah, I said it. Um, <laughs> and it was just it was just fantastic. I loved it. Yeah, um, it was great. It was yeah. Uh, cool. So since Mike hasn't really watched it, Tiny, what's your favorite episode? <laughs> Mike, you go sit in the corner. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I I literally cannot pick a favorite episode. I I can pick a favorite Ooh. season though. I think I, this this is kind of topical for me because I'm actually going through a rewatch right now. And uh, I forced you to so you could watch the finale. Basically, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the second season, I is just in my opinion one of the best seasons of any sitcom ever. It is just every single episode is hilarious. It is, they're all brilliantly written incredibly well acted and just so funny and the the overarching storylines specifically Jim and Pam is that you you can't help but relate to it you can't help but get involved in it and root for them um and you just you think about it after the episodes are over you hope and pray that they get together because they're perfect for each other um and I I agree 100% nice. about season two because I've said for years, like like after the season aired, was when was when I picked up the show. But after it aired, like after I watched that season, I was like, this is the best single season of a sitcom I've seen since forever. I yeah. mean, it's it rivals. Whoa. Yeah, it it rivals season two of Arrested Development. I would say. I agree. Whoa. And literally, um, all all, tw- yeah. all 22 episodes are gold. Literally, yep. yeah. Like I, like I was in tears laughing at the cold open to the episode "The Injury," where, um, <laughs> like, I just thought that that was such a perfect opening. Where basically Steve Carell, Michael Scott calls calls work and says that he burned his foot on his George Foreman grill. Yes. And then Dwight overhears and he rushes out the door and then he crashes his car and then he gets out of his car and he's kind of staggering around and then he just pukes on his on his hood. And it's just the the way that it all escalates from the from the phone call to the puking is just so brilliantly paced. And it's just 
it's just the height of comedy for me in that series. Yeah, I think when they're driving to the hospital in that episode and Jim is spraying both Michael and Dwight with a spray bottle of water, that is one of the most funny things I've ever seen in my life. I, I remember when I was watching that episode for the first time, I had to pause it multiple times because I was laughing so hard. Yes. Just so funny. Uh, and one of the things about the show that I think is you could you could call it a fault. It depends on the viewer. But I think it's actually one of the strengths is that it's it's fairly ridiculous in the point being that Michael Scott and Dwight would have both been fired multiple, multiple times uh, oh, yeah. from their jobs because they just did ridiculous things. Uh, but the the show the show writers and the showrunners were were brilliant in the way they worked they worked around those issues and kept the characters on there um and it it was sort of funny just thinking oh my god what the heck are they going to do this time yeah how are they going to get out of this and how are they not fired yet <laughs> and, absolutely and some you know some it, it, it it's it's almost like it should have been an animated sitcom like Family Guy or The <laughs> Simpsons because, you know, ridiculous things happen like that. Like, you know, when the, all the Treehouse of Horrors are absolutely ridiculous from The Simpsons. Um, but you you kind of give it a pass because it's really funny and it's a cartoon. You know, it's different. But So are there non-canon episodes of The Office? Is that? Um, no. No. Okay. It's all it's okay. all interwoven I, I was, I was from just, what i understand simpsons are pretty like the treehouse of horrors are, are non-canon right that's true i you know guess I mean? th- that wasn't really a good example what, what i was i get what i get what you're saying okay yeah. yeah just yeah. the ridiculousness of it is like a cartoon but they right. they weave it well into a, a live action comedy that gotcha. way gotcha it's a great show i i'll say that it's i don't think yeah. that i I can't say that I don't like it because honestly, I don't know that I've ever watched a full episode, and I'm embarrassed <laughs> to say it. There's a couple reasons why. First of all, I'm I'm a pretty busy guy, and the sure I I run the gamut of hobbies. Uh, so just to add another show that is nine seasons deep, how many were there? Nine, nine. is correct. I nine think, yeah. is is a is a lot. That's true. Uh, so I don't know. The second thing is. Um, is I don't really like John Krasinski all that much, hmm. and 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 for uh, uh, he's not a very likable straight man, <laughs> and I think that's my problem. It's almost like too, like like the straight man is uh, is us is on our side. It's supposed to wink at the camera when everybody else is being screwball, <laughs> but but he's almost like winking as as well as like winking harder than we are like look at these idiots when we're like they're not that dumb uh i i you know I, I don't know maybe maybe i'm i haven't watched enough but i i guess i just don't like you me. can't see me right now but i just like turned over to t- turned over to like my bookcase and just gave it a gave a quizzical look <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, your, your books are your audience that's creepy yeah. i i disagree with that because i think i think it it could be what you described if he would go into more detail if he would uh i he, i don't know i i think that's that aspect of the show where he kind of looks at the cameras that way where jim does that mm-hmm. it's it's very muted it's not it's not over exaggerated in my opinion it could gotcha. i don't know i think it's i think it's uh i think it's well enough done that it's not a distraction and that it's i i just think the way it's done makes it passable yeah. Well, I, I mean, you know, 
I don't purport to be any kind of authority at all. So I could be wrong. It could be a great show. Yeah. Mike, do you ever think you will pick it up? Oh, man. Because, I, I mean, it's over with now, and you can kind of go at your own pace and yeah. all that. I, I will say, it just you should just give season two a shot. Yeah. And if you don't connect okay. to it, then you won't connect to the series. Okay. Yeah. I'll look into it. Cool. I'll look into okay. it. Okay. But uh, so the second show I wanted to talk about, I kind of was trying to decide uh, if I wanted to like talk about uh, old shows, new shows, give some uh, new shows like Community, Arrest oh, yeah. Development. Uh, Zach Stone is going to be famous, which was on MTV for one season. Bo Burnham was, was freaking brilliant. People need to check it out. Huh. Way too smart for MTV. <laughs> or, you know, go back and talk about Home Improvement or oh, Cheers. Yeah. Uh, shows like Boy Meets World, but, you know, we only have an hour, an hour and 15 minutes. Right. So I decided to talk about the other obvious pick, <clears throat> and that's uh, the other perfect sitcom, as far as I'm concerned, Seinfeld. The Big Bang Theory. Oh, Seinfeld. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we've made our peace with the Big yeah. Bang Theory. <laughs> Listen to People the know how much we guys. hate that. We hate it almost as much as Two and a Half Men. You guys. Uh, I should have yeah. said Two and a Half Men. <laughs> yeah. uh, so anyway, Seinfeld... Uh, is the live-action version of the greatest sitcom of all time. Mm. You know, uh, it's real people. Mm-hmm. But I just, I, I just love every scenario. Kramer is brilliant. There's so many classic moments in that as well. Uh, there is one bad episode, and that's the last episode. But other than that, mm. they're they're great all the way up until the end. And unlike The Simpsons, one of the smartest things Seinfeld ever did was go out on top. True, and even okay. even yeah. that season nine, even at the end, there was there was, it was great. It it went from, um, kind of traditional, uh, sitcommy stuff to, um, a little more absurd when Kramer kind of became a little Fonzie ish, and that it, it, they just kind of went crazy like over the top stuff, uh, but it was still it was still pretty great. True, nice. True. I. I didn't really connect to Seinfeld that well. I mean, my my parents watched it a lot when I was growing up, and I kind mm-hmm. of watched here and there. I'm not disputing the fact that it's brilliantly written because it really is. I yeah. just couldn't. I just couldn't connect with the characters because um, I mean they're kind of awful people. <laughs> awful. They are really awful. Yeah, people. they're awful yeah. people, and they're just they're neurotic to the point of just being just annoying to me at least, yeah. but I won't dispute the writing because like the thing that comes to mind is uh, the episode where George, it's the Marine biologist. I mean, that's a perfect example of brilliant writing because if I remember yeah. correctly, isn't it George is telling girls that he's a Marine biologist or something like that. Yes. And then at that's, the end, it's so funny. Yeah. yeah. And then at the end there's like a beached whale or something. And then yep. you hear Larry David's voice off screens and like, uh, yeah. saying, hey, is anyone here a marine biologist? <laughs> yeah. that's, that's just genius. That's it is. Pure it genius. Is. And then, and then when he like shows the golf ball when they're at monks, that is one of my favorite oh, episodes. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> that was one of the ones I was going to list. Can we, can we put to bed, uh, the notion that it's a show about nothing? It really is not. It is so not a show about nothing. I agree. Yeah, it's. I agree. There's substance. There's too much substance for it to not be Absolutely. about nothing. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I and I'm also going to argue about them all being horrible people for the most part. I think Kramer is pretty genuine. Hmm. Okay. Sure. So that's that. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Tiny, how do you feel about Seinfeld? Uh, I. 
I like it a little bit more than Matt does, I think, but I do have issues with it. I think it's uh, I, I, I like each of the characters are so they're really great characters, but I think they're just just a little a little bit too extreme to their to their individual neuroses, if you will. Like Jerry, yeah. Jerry is just a little too neurotic. Uh, George is just a little bit too depressed. And Kramer is like a little bit too weird to function, I guess. But it's not. It makes for fantastic television. I just and with a sitcom, you should be able to suspend that. But I don't know. For some reason, it just gets to me a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Like the, for the for example, Jerry is just such a. He's a he's a good looking guy. He's successful, and he goes on all these dates. You know, he dates like five or six different women in each season, and he just. Mm-hmm finds these really ridiculous small points to focus on. Like, she had man hands. So it's you like, would date what? man hands? Yeah. It, it, I wouldn't focus on it. I wouldn't let it ruin things the yeah. way he does. But like I said, it makes yeah. for fantastic television when when it comes up, you know? It does. And we're also supposed to find them ridiculous. Yeah. Right, right. I agree know? with I agree with what Tiny said about is like my like finding minutia not to date women i mean that's a personal thing yeah i guess but yeah and um there was a point i was going to make about them being super neurotic but i can't remember now um yeah oh the thing about that is that like i said that they're horrible people and i mean maybe maybe they're not quite so horrible they're just they're just not likable and And that's hard to access they're not likable and there's very very little sentiment very little emotion exactly and when i what i like about sitcoms is that I what what I go into a sitcom wanting is I want to like it sounds corny and everything but I mean I'm going to follow follow these storylines for years and I want to connect with the characters I want them to essentially be my friends so yeah. um so I, I want that connection and I just can't find that connection with Seinfeld because I feel like I'd stab them in the throat if yeah. I were friends with them <laughs> yeah well uh, what's funny is talking about arrest development they're all pretty unlikable as well. And and I think the reason I like the two shows and they're not they're they're similar but I don't mean to compare them too much. Right. Uh we talked about on the Emmys how I how I use my joke density scale and I think why I love Seinfeld it is is the joke density. At, for its time it was without a doubt had the highest joke density mm-hmm. and and quality. Yeah, I would I would take nothing away. From, I would take away none of the acclaim that the show has gotten. Seriously, I think it deserves all yep. all the acclaim it has. It's just a, yep. it's just personally, I just that the things I listed just get to me just a little bit. But I can still watch yep. the show and enjoy it despite that. It's just it's just personal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tiny do you, uh, Matt mentioned the marine biologist, but Tiny, do you have a, a notable episode, if not a favorite? Uh. The notable episode is actually the first one I remember. Um, it's the one where I don't remember the name. I don't even remember the plot necessarily, but it's where George is doing like crazy. He has like a, I think he has like a really hot girlfriend and he does really weird stuff. Like he, I just remember he's wearing crushed velvet, like a crushed velvet tracksuit, And mm-hmm. like, she was super attracted to him in a, crushed velvet tracksuit and he was she was she was attra- yeah. she was incredibly attracted to him despite the fact that he's a gross weird little man <laughs> yeah uh-huh. uh and i just remember i bring that up because it was i have a lot of nostalgia with that show because my dad watched it 
Uh, and I would, I mean, that show came out in the early nineties and Mm -hmm. I was only five or six years old and I would, I was always a horrible sleeper when I was a kid. So I would like wake up in the middle of the night or like, you know, what appeared to be the middle of the night to me at 10 o'clock. And, (laughs) uh, I would just like kind of sneak into the hallway and just kind of sit in the hallway and listen to my dad watching Seinfeld, which sounds kind of weird, but it was, it was like, even as a five or six year old, I could like laugh at some of it, you know, 90% of it was way over my head. Yeah. Like what does it mean to be a master of your domain? Exactly. (laughs) But I still laughed. Yeah. But that, that episode where, where George is wearing the crushed velvet tracksuit and he goes, yep, we just had sex. I remember, (laughs) I remember sitting in the hallway and laughing at that when I was like six or seven years old. And That's and because I knew what that meant to an extent, and it just just the word yeah. sex made me laugh, you know. <laughs> so that it That's has fine. it has the show has a nostalgic feel for yeah. that, you know, for me. To that point, I want to bring something up that remind or that makes me want to change the topic just slightly. But before I do, I want to mention that um, another another notable episode for me is the one where George is on a date and uh, <laughs> the girl invites him up for coffee, and he's like. He's like, no, nah, I don't really want any coffee or whatever, and calls it a night. And then he doesn't realize that invi- inv- yeah. coffee equals sex, and yeah. um, <laughs> if there's a big deal about it. And I just, I love that because that's, I mean, not to get too personal, but I've been in that similar situation, <laughs> and yeah. I just, I'm like, I can connect with George on that level because you know. But yeah, so but uh, tiny. You let me that. let oh, me go, go uh, pass the baton back to you for a second in your show. Just my my quick notables. Uh, two in particular. One is the is the Chinese food bottle episode, which is probably oh, the greatest yes. episode of all time. Uh, and then the second one is the one sentimental moment on the show that I can think of, and that's when Kramer goes to L.A. Uh, over a fight with Jerry about the keys, having having the set of the keys, mm-hmm. and when they get back, I think it's a two parter. <clears throat> yep. When they get back, uh, and and J- uh, Kramer's about to leave, and Jerry says, "Hey, Kramer," and he throws him the keys. That's like the only awe moment. And it's funny hmm. that for a show that is so not about that, that's one of my favorite moments. I guess that goes to show that I just I just like emotional, sentimental moments. But uh, that's a favorite thing. I remember when I remember when we were living together, Mike. That you uh, you told me that you basically gave me the entire rundown of that episode. Yeah, and I was like, that is actually really good. And if it had more emotional moments like that, I would probably connect to it more. Yeah, but. and I think a lot more people would as well. And then it yeah. would be undisputedly the greatest show of all time. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, but tiny to your point about it being bringing up nostalgia, that reminds me that. Um, <laughs> I when I was a kid growing up, my family like it was when it was on the air. Like this is like early to mid nineties. Um, the show Wings. Nice. Um, <laughs> like my nice family, we, like that was appointment viewing for our family. Nice. Um, Wings for those unfamiliar are is uh, uh, basically basically not necessarily a cheers ripoff but it's basically cheers set in a small airport on nantucket um from the same everybody knows your destination (laughs) exactly (laughs) uh it follows two brothers joe and brian hackett who run uh, run a small airline and they're uh called sandpiper air um and they're kind of under constant um uh competition from aeromass from roy biggins across the terminal 
who he has like seven planes and they just have a dinky one plane operation. But I just on so many levels, I mean, that just that show almost I would go so far as to say it defined my childhood even. Um, <laughs> wow. Because, yeah, because, I mean, we would watch it like I remember um, between seasons four and five or five and six when um, they introduced the character of Casey Chapel, uh, H- Helen Chapel's uh uh, who ran the lunch counter in the terminal, mm-hmm. um, her sister. Like, I remember vividly, like, my dad reading about it in, like, TV Guide or something and be like, oh, hey, they're going to they're gonna bring uh, Helen's sister into the show. I'm like, oh, what? How's that going to work? Oh, my God, what's it going to do? <laughs> um, and so and it was just, it's, I mean, it's just, it was a great show. And, I mean, it was, like, the storylines were, I mean, it's, at this point, it's it's kind of just typical sitcom fare. I mean, they had some brilliant stuff, but I mean, nothing to the point of like the marine biologist or nothing like that intricately plotted or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it was just, it was just, like I said before, sitcoms, I want them to be like the characters to be like my friends. I want to feel like a connection. And I felt like a strong connection. And I mean, that was where I could count like how many times, uh, things that, I mean, that how many things in my life were informed by wings, like the strong brotherly. I mean, I, that sounds weird, but I mean, like the I know strong... what a master of my domain was because of Seinfeld. I know the feeling. Okay, mom, uh, I am, I am becoming a master of my domain. So leave me alone tonight. <laughs> Wait, I guess it's the opposite. Maybe I wasn't aware. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but I mean, and I mean the strong brotherly connection between them. I mean, I have an older brother, so I kind of connected to that in a way, and then. Um, just, I mean, uh, like it kind of it romanticized small business, which I mean, I mean, I don't own a business or anything, but I think like I keep thinking like that'd be such an awesome thing to like have your own business. Not that I would have any kind of way of doing that, but uh, but it would just uh, I don't know. We it should open great. a bar. Yes, <laughs> we should totally buy a bar. Yes, <laughs> I, I agree with that because I I loved Wings as well. I I remember another bit of nostalgia. Uh, I think that show, I think that show may have had like double syndication. Like, even even when I was a kid, I remember mm-hmm. over the like over the summer, my brother and I would get up at like nine or ten in the morning, and from like ten to eleven on USA, they would do two episodes of Wings, <laughs> and then on like, and then from like, that was, el- and then from like eleven. That's after Perfect Strangers. <laughs> <laughs> After an hour of Perfect Strangers, because my brother and I did the same thing. Yes, yes. <laughs> and then from like 11 to 12, like TBS would show an hour of it. And we would watch like two straight hours of Wings almost every day. And we had seen every episode so many times, but we still just loved it. Oh, yeah. The, that was um, when, I, when I would stay home from school sick. I would watch, I would watch Wings. Like, that would be the one consolation. I'd be like, oh, I get to watch Wings. It's awesome. <laughs> and this is something that you guys... D- don't know about me i don't think and i'm gonna google it to see if it's actually still on there but i <laughs> this is so nerdy but when tv show dvds were coming into uh, the forefront and everything i was like why isn't wings released on dvd yet <laughs> and this is i remember so you talking about this in 05 yes mm-hmm. i okay quick googling it doesn't bring it up but I actually started a petition online <laughs> to get oh. Wings released on DVD. 
And they got a fair amount of signatures and everything because I yeah, spammed like nine out or a ten? bunch of stuff. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, a few hundred, I think, because nice. I posted oh, that's it awesome. all over the internet. But uh, so like, And then they started releasing the DVDs, and I kind of thought like in the back of my head, like, I'm the reason for this, even though that's absurd. Hey, no, you are the reason. I am. That's because, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and fun that's fact cool. about the Wings DVDs. Each one I own the entire set. Each one I bought day of release. Wow, <laughs> kind of proud of that. <laughs> um, I didn't even do that with friends. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, friends! I remember. I remember being homesick from school. Just happened to be homesick from school on the day that season like six or seven was le- was released, and <laughs> having my mom drive me to Circuit City <laughs> to buy it. Of friends. Of friends. Yeah. Do you remember when we bought season ten? Yes. In 2005. Oh, yeah. We'll six. talk about Friends in a bit. Okay. Because um, there's still a couple things about Wings I want to mention. Or, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. uh, tiny favorite episode. Oh, man. Favorite episode of Wings. <laughs> uh, man, that's another one. I probably – I don't think I have one. I think the first one is just really great where they mm-hmm. – you know, their dad sends them on the – sends them on the, the you know, uh, wild, the goose, wild chase goose chase or whatever. Yep. It's called Legacy is the episode title. There you go. Um, yeah. <laughs> I love that. The, what's great about that show is that in other sitcoms and other series is that the series finale is mirrors the pilot. And I love how shows can bookend each other, book, have bookends like that. Um, but anyway, uh, my favorite episode is two. Um, one is, I can't remember the name of it, but it was, I always called it Bob's Donut. Um and I always used to flip out whenever it was on on TV. Um, it, it's an episode where basically, basically Antonio, the cab driver, he is having an affair with um, the wife of the um, air traffic controller. And the air traffic controller comes down and wants a jelly donut because he always gets a jelly donut. And it's a it's a, like a Christmas themed episode, by the way. And he basically they someone eats his last jelly do- the last jelly donut and he flips out. And he takes Antonio hostage in the control tower at gunpoint. And it's just from there, it's just absurd because it's like, like Lowell, the mechanic goes into like this, this crazy, like John McClane or this like, like commando kind of thing. He has like blueprints and everything. He's like, okay, we need to repel from here and here and all this. And then, <laughs> and then like Joe eventually talks the guy down from having the gun by he, the way that he talks to talks the guy into giving him the gun is he basically says like you think ever you think your Christmas sucks look at the look at Faye her her lemon bars she thinks that they're the greatest thing in the world but they suck and he's basically down talking all of his friends and then he gets him to give him the gun and then the cops show up and then <laughs> he's like I got the gun I got the gun so they have. So they pull their guns on on Joe, and then um, everyone he's like, "All right, it's not me. Tell tell him everyone." And then he's he's down talked. He's he's talked crap about everybody in there. So they're all like, "No, I don't know what you're talking about." <laughs> uh, but yeah, that Classic. was one of my favorite episodes. Yeah, and then uh, my other one would be the episode where huh, um, <laughs> Brian. <laughs> Catch your breath. Need some water. Oh yeah. Um, but the episode where Brian, Brian Hackett is uh, like their their ho- his and Joe's house is being fumigated or something. So he shacks up with Faye that works the counter at Sandpiper. So he's basically she's cooking and cleaning for him and all that, and he's watching like essentially like a knockoff of um uh, of uh, uh, America's Most Wanted, and it's actually hosted by Maury, po- Maury Povich in the show. But anyway, 
Um, he's he's watching and like they say like, oh yeah, this uh, uh this lady poisoned her victims with her cooking and everything, and then with a frozen leg of lamb and all that. Anyway, they computerized her, her picture to show what she would look like today. Early, early 90s and it looks exactly like Faye so the whole episode is him suspecting Faye of being this killer and it's just it's absurdity from there it's it's amazing I remember that one yeah great um, yeah so have we made our peace with wings because I feel like I, yeah <laughs> I've kind of bogarted this entire conversation so you didn't ask about my favorite episode Mike what was your favorite episode of wings <laughs> I don't know I've never seen it exactly <laughs> um, but Mike you mentioned friends do you want to talk about that for a bit yeah, we can talk about Friends. Nice. Friends is one of those is one of those shows where um, when people talk about what are what is the greatest sitcom of all time, it uh, most of the time I feel like it's Seinfeld. But I feel like for for most people, like a more accessible audience, it's Friends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Friends, uh, I talked about Simpsons. Talk about Seinfeld. I. Uh, was not there for the beginnings of either of those shows, but I definitely remember the beginning of Friends, and I and I was totally into it midway through season two, which is pretty early for um, a show that that you know came on mm-hmm. it while I was such a young age. Yep. Um, just great. I I bought all the the DVDs almost day of, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I know that you and I bonded over several of those. And I and did. about every couple of years I'll do a. I'll do a series watch. Me too. Friends. Totally. I uh, I remember when we bought season ten together. It was when we were roommates in Evansville, and we bought it midnight at Walmart. Yep. And yeah. In the rain. It in was the like rain. Torrential downpour. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then I remember when we we watched it like independently, and then we synced up the finale <laughs> with our TVs. Yeah, yeah we did. Like, uh, we watched the whole. We each <laughs> bought the season ten, which was a was a truncated like fifteen episodes or eighteen episodes. 18 episodes. Uh, something like that, yeah. Anyway, and we watched all of it on our own, on our separate corners of <laughs> of our bedroom that we shared. And then where uh, our TVs were separated probably by, I don't know, 40 feet? Not not that much. No, not feet, that much. Like, it was feet. a dorm, so like two feet. Um. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was small. And we synced up our TVs for uh, to hear the sound of it. Yep. And it was just... So so geeky. It was the nerdiest <laughs> awesome. and best thing ever. Yeah, unmatched until I did that Avengers tag yeah. at the end of last episode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> watching. I'll tell you what. Watching Friends that time, the when it when it ended, I was pretty upset because I was so attached to these characters and and, mm-hmm. and it was awesome. But watching it that time felt like it was really over. Oh, and yeah. I don't know why. I think it's because there were no more DVDs coming out, and that was like it. It you know what I mean? There's nothing else to do. With friends, watching it with you that last time really hit me emotionally. Same here. Uh, almost, almost as much, but definitely for different reasons than seeing it that um, when it aired in '04. Oh yeah, hmm. I'm just I'm so glad that USI paired me with a roommate that was as obsessed with Friends as I was. <laughs> I know Eugene and me. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. That was good. Uh, that was definitely good. Um, I, we could talk about favorite episodes forever, but I oh, think it's man. interesting to talk about. I want to talk about my favorite friend nice. is a rare. What's that? Nice. I, I, just, I, I, like, oh, I like that I better, thought, than, better than I, favorite yeah. episode. Nice. Um, is Ross. And Ooh, so many people are, are taken aback by that. Ross? Really? You sure you didn't mean to say Chandler? <laughs> <laughs> Ross. And here's the thing. <laughs> 
I connect to him because he's a big dork, and as am I. Uh, but more right. than anything, while Chandler is is all about the jokes, joke, 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 and uh, he definitely gets swept under the rug sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but but Ross is kind of at the forefront. But what I love about Ross and what really makes me love Ross is after uh, the Emily debacle. <laughs> He loses it. He does for he like three seasons, and he and he is just classic. He the the funniest, the funniest segment of the whole show is, is like season five, six, seven, or mm-hmm. four, five, six, seven, something like that. Yeah, and uh, and it is around then that he he loses it, and he's just so funny. The 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 leather pants when he gets his apartment, <laughs> and he does the. Ah! And the, my sandwich. Yes. He's just awesome, and I feel like people forget that because he's he's very whiny almost all the time, particularly in oh, the yeah. beginning. Yeah. And then it's mostly weird stuff about the baby and about uh, Rachel and stuff toward the end. But in the middle, he's hilarious. Oh, yeah. he, totally the funniest part of the show for me in uh, in the middle of the series. So Ross. Is my favorite character, nice. and I've also convinced my fiance. Uh, she's on my side too. She, nice. She used to like. I think it was Phoebe, Phoebe and Joey, but mm-hmm. she's a she's a Ross girl now. Nice. Tiny, what about you? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna. Uh, you can't go wrong with this answer. I, I want to say that first of all. There's no mm-hmm. wrong answer to this. True, unless um, it's Monica. Yeah, it's true actually. <laughs> but I, um, I'm actually gonna go with Chandler. I, I hate to to play to the the con- consensus but uh, he's just he's my favorite he's yeah, mike mike brings up uh, you know joke density and stuff like that i think chandler is the best character for that absolutely um, absolutely yeah. and he's just hilarious he, he is the device yeah yeah mm-hmm. totally um but i you know i i recently did a rewatch of this too so it's kind of t- topical for me as well um but i i forgot I, I always just kind of dismissed Joey just because he's so dumb and stuff. But <laughs> I forgot how just hilarious he actually is in that show. Yeah. Um, specifically, it's it's when he when he doesn't understand something or when he. What's even better is when he thinks he understands something, but he actually doesn't. <laughs> like uh, for example, I, I had forgotten about this line, but at one point he's trying to express. Uh, um, something that's a moot point but he forgets <laughs> he, he mispronounces the word as moo yeah. and so he's like yeah it's a moo point it's like a cow's opinion it just doesn't yeah, matter it's, it's, it's moo it's moo <laughs> he, says it with, he says it with such confidence yes. yeah exactly <laughs> that's what's so funny exactly yeah. that's that's when that's when i think joey outshines everyone is when he thinks he understands something but he actually doesn't yeah it's just point Perfect. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, although I would say that in the final season, the one where he speaks French, I thought that was stretching. I knew you were going to mention that. Yeah. yeah, I thought that that was stretching it just a little bit. True. Je it was still Toot the flute. It was still fairly funny, I guess, but yeah. it stretched the boundaries, I guess. Although in that season is also when he's on the the, the pyramid. Oh, and that was such a great <laughs> yeah. scene. Yeah. Paper clouds. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Things you put on a pizza. Next, <laughs> he puts a. Uh, he's like one of the one of the categories. Is Jack and Joe went up the hill, and then he's like, "Oh yeah, I'm I'm great with nursery rhymes." And they were like, "These are all, these are all. Uh, tri- this is all trivia about Congress and all that." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. It just cracked me up. Um, as to my favorite character, I would have to say, hands down, Chandler. I mean, it's yeah. no contest. Um, and, like, okay, I know that everyone talks about Ross and Rachel. Mike, I know that you're a huge... I hate that I'm using this word. A huge shipper of Ross and Rachel. <laughs> uh, I just hate myself for that. But anyway. Okay. Um, but I honestly think that Chandler and Monica are the stronger couple of the series. Um, just oh, because... no. Okay. This is something else. Because stronger couple or focus of the show are two different conversations. Okay. And the way I understood it is you said the focus of the show or they carry the show or something like that. They, was them the stronger couple like in real life who do i believe in more absolutely chandler and monica yes. absolutely that's, absolutely that's what i i like most everyone says everyone says like oh i'm very sentimental about ross and rachel and i mean i'm not taking away from the finale where she gets off the plane because that's a great scene yeah but it is i think it's just to the to the point that i mean he was ross was pining after her for years and it was just kind of like we don't really have a re- – we're told – we're basically told that they have a connection. Yeah. We're not really shown it until season two. And yeah. it's like – it is, doesn't feel as organic because they're still – in the back of my mind, There's he's still going after her and all that. Whereas yeah. with Chandler and Monica, it was very um, gradual. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it felt natural. Only thing I don't like about their relationship is the uh, – is the retcon where she she was meant to go to Joey's room first? Yeah. I really don't like that. I I think it does a disservice to them as a couple, and that kind of it bums me out. Still, every time I watch it, it bums me out. I agree. I agree. It doesn't bum me out that much, but go ahead, Tony. Sorry. I was gonna say I, I agree with that too. That uh, Chandler and Monica are the better couple because I think one of the the biggest thing that throws off Ross and Rachel for me is the fact that the infatuation started when they were in high school, and I think mm-hmm. all, you know there are pretty much that's a pretty ubiquitous thing is everyone has like a high school crush or someone that they were obsessed with in high school and usually that person isn't really good for you when you when you look back in hindsight the person that you had a big crush on it was just kind of like well they're they're really hot and they're sort of nice to me so (laughs) yeah i like them but then once you know once ross and rachel get together they don't have a whole lot in common you know he's he's super intellectual and a nerd and that's how he lives his life and she's you know all you know, fashiony and uh, socialite and stuff like that. They don't really, they don't really <laughs> yeah. mesh that well when you really look at it. She's so a, I, I agree. Yeah, with that. I agree. She's a fascist. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nice <laughs> quote from the show. Anyway, um, yeah. yeah. Well, we're kind of running a little bit low on time, and I'm we are, to but talk. I could go forever. I know. Me too. Like we're gonna have to go back, and we're gonna have to do like a sequel episode to this, and totally. talk about totally. Because I mean, we still we I mean, we didn't touch on like happy endings or uh, uh, I wanted to talk home about improvement, home improvement, cheers, cheers stuff we didn't stuff we didn't like <laughs> I, stuff we didn't. Oh like. yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, we mentioned two and a half men. I'll just go on record Barely. and say I hate two and a half. That's going to be my answer to every. I hate <laughs> two and a half men, and I don't get it. I okay. don't get it. Yeah, I. Uh, it's lowest common denominator stuff. It's yeah. pandering. Yeah. Yeah. And I also yeah. wanted to talk about Men at Work. Real quick, I'll talk about Men at Work just really quickly. It's a TBS sitcom with... Uh, um, oh, and that 70s show. Wow. Oh, man. We've forgotten a lot. Yeah. yeah. We're going to do a sequel. We're gonna we are. To. We are. I'm <laughs> just calling it now. We're doing a sequel. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, briefly, real quick, Men at Work TBS show with Brecken, uh, uh, written by or show run by Brecken Meyer. Um, it has like... Uh, What's the what's the guy's name? Masterson. Danny Masterson. Danny Danny Masterson. Uh huh. Um, 
I think he's really the only notable one I can think of. There, anyway, it, it's a it's a good show. And second season kind of brought it out, but first season I noticed something kind of alarming that kind of took me out of the series was that there was maybe four instances throughout the first season where they blatantly ripped off of How I Met Your Mother. Yeah, um, like they had a plot line about um, a devil's three way, which they called um, in the show they called. I think they just called it a devil's threesome. Like, they didn't even wow. try to change it. <laughs> and then there was some other ones I can't really remember off the top of my head. But I mean, That's it was like just... Vanilla Ice justifying dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-d
looking forward oh, to Wolverine. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Just real quick about Elysium. Um, my bad. Um, did you guys hear that Neil Blomkamp has actually started writing District 10? <laughs> no. I didn't no. hear about yeah. that. I, I read it online somewhere. Um, but yeah, wow. it's uh, it's happening, I guess. So Cool. Cool. Know. That's, that's going to be yeah. something to look forward to. I like uh, nice. Mike, what are you looking forward to? Uh, well, movie-wise, briefly, I'm looking forward to Wolverine. Uh, we talked right. about comics last week, so I, I won't go into much detail. Uh, it's getting decent reviews, and, and I'm looking forward to that. Um, but I, I'm looking most forward to Dexter coming to an end. Nice. Uh, yes. Now, you went on a rant in the first or second episode about how much you hate Dexter. And I think you even apologized to me about it. I did. I yeah. I publicly apologize um, to you and but i hold firm <laughs> in my beliefs yeah i love and we'll debate it one day i love 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 the first four seasons of dexter and i and i can defend and debate those but since then admittedly it's gotten quite crappy um okay. and so while it has, has had ups and downs um i'm definitely looking forward to it being <laughs> put out of its misery Sadly, right. <laughs> I, I hope it ends well. Halfway through this last season, it's it's kind of slow going. Mm-hmm. Um, but ever since season four, the strength of the show has been the relationship of Deb and Dexter. And okay. uh, specifically season seven was about that. and It was well played. And it is, it, it is um, how I hope they end the show just with okay. a, with a, about the two of them. And so I'm I'm looking forward to it, but I'm also a bit apprehensive about it. Uh, but it's definitely something that's beeping pretty hard on my radar. Okay. Cool. Uh, real quick um, about that. Uh, the books, have they concluded? The, the Dexter books? Yeah. Oh, I no. I mean, they'll go. I don't think there's any end in sight. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. I was just wondering because I wasn't sure. I'm actually, I think there's, man, I could be totally off on this. I think there's seven books, and I've read okay. five or six. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. So, okay. but, they, but there, I don't think there's any end in sight for those. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then real quick before we end real quick, a few episodes ago, we were talking about The Simpsons, and I should have brought this up earlier when we were talking about it here, but we mentioned that they have like 300 episodes. It's like 500. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I completely, I meant to add something in the show notes or did whatever. Did we say 300 episode. episodes? We did. We were yeah, saying we like 300. Oh. And, uh, but yeah, it's, it's more like 500. So wow. just wanted to clear wow. that up from wow. like a month ago. But anyway, <laughs> uh, so that's pretty much what we've been looking forward to. Tiny, do you want to uh, yep. count us out? Absolutely. Uh, thanks for tuning in today, everybody. If you're looking for more, you can always head over to iTunes and check our past episodes, or you can just go to the website, find them on there. We've got all kinds of other content on the website. Uh, most of it's written by Matt. He does great reviews of Under the Dome, and we had a whole Stephen King week. Uh, it's really cool stuff on the website. And then if you want to contact us, uh, we're all on Twitter. Mike is at I am Mike White. Matt is at Obsessive Viewer. And I'm at Obsessive Tiny. And then, as always, if you want to send in a um, submission to our uh, contest for most uh, most memorable theater experiences, which uh, you can still send in um, submissions to that, the address is uh, ovpodcast at gmail.com. 
Uh, or if you just want to give us any feedback or comments or anything like that, uh, shoot us an email, a tweet, something like that. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash obsessive viewer. The obsessive viewer. Um, Sorry. The obsessive viewer. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, just uh, give us, drop us a line on any one of those and uh, check out all our stuff. Thanks, Join guys. Awesome. Thank you Thanks. for listening. Spread the word. Please tell your friends. Please yes, do. Yes, definitely. Yes. Thanks, you guys. Right, I'm gonna. Do- hey, you're listening to WKAT, the cat. Meow. <laughs> I might open it with that, actually. <laughs> hey, gang! Today on Wall Street, the t- the ticker says we went down two points. <laughs> I've got that was nothing. Really good. I've got nothing. <laughs> <That was> good. <laughs> I'm out of my element here. <laughs>